Hello everyone and welcome back. I'm your host Patrick Craig and you're listening to the African Innovation Show brought to you by Africa Arena. Beautiful people and welcome to today. It is a beautiful day in Dakar and right now I'm standing in the foyer of the Radisson Sea Plaza Hotel overlooking the magnificent bay as we welcome the delegates, speakers and startups for this year's Africa Arena West African Summit. Throughout the conference over the next three days, I will be chatting to as many stakeholders as possible to share with you as much insight as we can on what exactly is happening on the ground in this exciting tech ecosystem. So be sure to check out all the micro episodes from this West African Summit series so that you can understand the many perspectives and ideas, lessons and learnings coming out of this magnificent region. First up guys, a massive thank you must go out to all of our sponsors and partners for making this West African Summit happen. To DER, La Delegation Générale, à l'Entrepreneuriat Rapide, the International Trade Center, the French Embassy in Senegal, Amazon Web Services always stepping up, Orange Ventures, and then all of our greater partner network for making this summit happen. If it wasn't for each and every single role player in this whole journey, we would not be here today. So we wanted to say a massive thank you to each and every one of them. Right, so without further ado, guys, we have a whole bunch of awesome interviews lined up for you. So let's get stuck in, shall we? Tidjan Dem, Partek. Perfect. Um, firstly, thank you so much for your time. Um, let's just start macro. So, you know, West Africa, Senegal, Dakar, Cote d'Ivoire, it's still relatively unknown for the broader market. Yeah. People are obviously quite aware of the top four, Lagos, Kenya, South Africa. Yeah. What would you, how would you start? How would you introduce this part of the world from a tech investment ecosystem perspective? Oh man, uh, usually I say this, uh, once you take out the top four markets in Africa, yeah. everything else is pretty similar. Half of it is Francophone, the other half is uh, Anglophone. So don't underestimate the Francophone part, it's 400 million people. Um, like all African cities, they're all coming online. Sure. Uh, startups are uh, popping up everywhere. Uh, there are the same economies uh, in mobility and logistics, in commerce, everywhere that benefit usually from digitizing. So the opportunity is the same. Uh, the question is, why are we not seeing yet uh, African startups from this region emerge on the global scene? But the opportunity is definitely there. It is there, and I think, you know, for me personally, it's definitely opened my eyes. You know, uh, I've been to all the other regions, first time in Dakar, and the perception has definitely shifted. And I think what's so great, though, especially with this country, I mean, we were in the unconference the other day where we had yeah. the minister sitting in and, and, and getting involved. And whether, whether, you, whether we agree on government's procedures or regulations or it's the first time that we've, we've been in a region where somebody's been so hands-on which has been yeah. fantastic and it just seems you know similarly to to Paul what Paul Gagame is doing in Rwanda yeah. Yeah. you know the government's very involved in enabling that yeah. um, do you think that private sector could play a bigger role as well absolutely so actually I'll, I'll step back a bit on what's going on I think in Dakar and also happening probably in, in this all the West African countries and all the way to Cameroon you have a pool of talent that is quite strong. Yeah. This is something that can be easily overlooked sure. because they don't speak English. Sure. <laughs> uh, but a pool of software engineers that is really strong. Dakar is a city that is full of schools. People come from all over the region to study in Dakar. And all of these students, you know, come out skilled and ready to work. 
and entrepreneurship becomes a, plays a huge role in absorbing these people in the workforce. And everybody is aware of this, uh, the private sector as well as the government. Yeah. So it's no wonder that the government is there next to you, is hands-on, yeah. and trying to foster and support entrepreneurs yeah. because we are having this huge pool of young talent sure. that you need to put to work, otherwise sure. it becomes something else yeah. unpleasant. Yeah. And um, a lot of governments around here are also just coming to terms with the fact that uh, these tech startups are not just some side phenomenon. Sure. That it's something that is attracting significant attention to their countries. They love that attention. Yeah. It's attracting significant investment. Yeah. The way VC investment has been growing compared to private equity is the same everywhere. And so it's becoming significant sure. as investment. So they're looking at it. And so that's what's driving government. Now, should private sector be involved? You know, private sector will be involved if they see money for them in it, right? I keep saying that what we are missing probably is that founding event where an investment by some angel or a private company into this tech startup scene pays off beautifully and it becomes the new and the next day everybody wants it. Sure. We have not had that yet. Sure. Um, so for now, you know, you can see a few big corporates like Orange getting involved. Yeah. Uh, you can see a few angels yeah. and, and keep in mind that in the Francophone space, investment angel investment is not in the culture yeah but we're already seeing a few angels getting in i think we just need that that spark that startup that and if you look at the pool of early stage startup right now i think that that spark is really here that, that one company that will just go ballistic and everybody is regretting not putting money in it so yeah. that the next day two things happen all everybody have their check out and are looking for a company to invest yeah and every good talent sitting in a corporate is thinking this could be me yeah it's it's true i do feel that that spark all that the energy is here you know you it's a it's a intangible thing that you feel being in the city being within this ecosystem i mean you've been to a lot of these what do you think what do you think are the kind of the components that are missing or that we need more of in this particular sector to help it Catalyst, you know, like ah, that's that's an easy question. It's seed money. Yeah, everyone uh, says I invest the same in thing. Series A, yeah. So Partech, we invest in Series A and B. Yeah. So venture. Okay. Uh, we invest in startups when they have something like one million revenue. They have the market validated, and so far we've invested in 15 companies, only one in Senegal. Okay. Wow. And so people nag me a lot about this, but the bottom line is there is not enough startups coming to Series A because there are not enough startups getting seed funding. Sure. And it's not because it's not for lack of market. There is a huge demand for seed funding across Africa, but especially in this region. Even more so as it's harder for somebody from Abidjan or Dakar or Bamako to fly into Silicon Valley and get a check. Sure. There are language barriers, there are cultural barriers, there are a lot of barriers. So local seed money sitting on the ground that knows and understands these people, yeah. that get through the cultural barrier and can see the gems that are out there would, would, would be transformation. And I think it would create, it would unlock this this potential we are sitting on. I mean, look around you. Look at yeah. the startups you saw today. Yeah. The entrepreneurs are good. Yeah. The problems that they are solving are, are foundational to our economy. Sure. Uh, they, they, they will build great startups. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody else will build them for them. Yeah. So seed money is, 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 is for me the missing piece. Okay. I, I know I'm preaching for my 
for my for my for my interest here. It sounds like that, but I I, I think beyond that. There is more of a personal component. I've been an entrepreneur in this region. I've started and failed to start up in the region. And I keep telling people that actually entrepreneurs from this region will, will always fund their startup. They'll bootstrap it. They'll do consulting on the side sure. and fund it. Eventually they'll get there. Sure. But it's going to take them five to six years. Yeah. So it's we are wasting resources. We are wasting years of entrepreneurship. And that is a precious and important resource. Totally. Seed money would shorten that period from five years to one year. They would validate their project and get to the next stage. So it's actually a human tragedy we are talking about here. Yeah. So this is why I'm passionate about it. It's definitely not about self-interest. Where do you think we're going to? Where, where do we find that seed money though? Where's it going to come from? Everyone, everyone says the same thing. We need yeah. more money. We yeah. need more seed money. We need more seed money. Yeah. No matter where we go, yeah. Africa, South Africa, yeah. Kenya. Rwanda, all the same, we need more seed money. Where do you think that works? So I think you, we need to look at what are the barriers to seed funds right now. If you're trying to raise a seed fund in in the region sure. right now, you're probably, it's probably your first fund. So you're what they call a first time fund. Okay? And that is a huge barrier with all the institutional investors who fund. Sure. Uh, so this is the barrier that governments and DFIs are the best positions to unlock right. because they can actually enable these first-time funds, be anchor investors, yeah. allow them to raise yeah. half of the fund from them, half of the fund from private sector yeah. so that they can prove themselves because the next time around, guess what, they don't need that money anymore because sure. they have track record. Sure. But that barrier you have here at this event today, at least four teams I know that are raising seed funds. I know these guys, they're outstanding. Yeah. They're entrepreneurs, they're experienced, they know yeah. Africa, they know tech. Yeah. They will make great investors. Yeah. But they've never raised a fund before. Yeah. So everybody's looking at them going, mm, I don't know, first time team. Eh. And if you look at what happened in Europe, this is this was the same, by the way, in France for, for a very long time. Right. Until the French BPI, 10 years ago, went uh, all out yeah. and seeded a lot of seed funds. Yeah. And they seeded like 100 of them. Wow. And in turn, these guys went and invested in thousands of startups. Sure. That's French tech today. Yeah. Wow. So we need to create our French tech. Yeah. And this is where DARE, here, you're hosting this event with, plays a role. Totally. You know, they have budget, they invest in startups, but they also can invest in other seed firms and enable the ecosystem. I think this is a call out to, you know, IFC, the World Bank, uh, the African Development Bank. This institution can and should support these first-time seed funds. It's, it's so poignant because uh, I think it was uh, Matsi Modise who said uh, in a podcast that we interviewed of her in Cape Town, she said, everyone else has got a plan for Africa except Africa. And it's so true. I think it's time that Africans like had their own plan. And I think it's slowly starting to sink in, you know, and people are getting there and, and they're getting it because, you know, the, the impact in Africa when you invest in an entrepreneur, even if it fails or succeeds, okay, of course we always want it to succeed, but the impact that it has on families, it's un communities, it's unparalleled compared to the rest of the world. There is one, one when I talk about this impact, there is one, one example I like to give. Uh, merchants. Yeah. Think about commerce across Africa. It's mostly run by these small informal merchants. Sure. 95% uh, of FMCG, for instance. They're informal, fragmented, yeah. uh, not registered, they don't have access to credit, yeah. and the logistics for them are super inefficient. 
like this speaks to me. This is all problems that digital can solve. Yeah. You know, you digitize them, logistics become more efficient. You have transactional data, you can give them funding. Yeah. Uh, this whole commerce works better yeah. and it impacts everybody because, you know, prices of goods will come down. Yeah. They will be more available to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And all of, all of these people, they're the backbone of African economies. They're the heads of families. They'll pay school fees with it. They'll pay for health with it. Uh, think about how many, tens of millions of merchants really. And if you look at what fintechs are doing, yeah. They're going after these merchants. Yeah. Whether it's an agent network, yeah. it's the merchants that are becoming agents. Yeah. If it's you know POS platforms, yeah. they're going after these merchants. Yeah. B2B marketplaces, uh, Jumia marketplace, sure. all of these are building on this. And I, I like to say that you know when you take a lot of fragmented informal players and bring them on a platform, a digital platform, you create something organized. They're not going to become formal, but they'll become organized and efficient sure. because they will digitize. And it's happening actually. And so this is for me the biggest and hottest opportunity in Africa and the biggest area of impact I can see. Yeah, I mean, it's so true. There are so many, and I, you know, I was speaking to a startup today who was pitching and you know, they've been doing I think 50 or 60 million dollars just getting you know, selling African products to the world, you know? Yeah. And people want them. People think, oh no, who's going to want it? I mean, it's amazing. Like, you'll have a, a person who's doing a, 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 um Like people making craft, a lot of arts. Yeah. If I'm allowed to name call. I was talking recently to Africrea, a yes. startup from Côte d'Ivoire. Yeah. That's like started off calling themselves Etsy for Africa. Okay, we'll put the goods online and we'll help them sell. And I talked to him like a few years later and he's take, telling a whole completely different story. He says, these African artisans and craftsmen, they don't need people to sell for them. Everybody wants their goods already. They want somebody to help with the transaction and the logistics. Totally. So the goods will sell yeah. if I create for them a platform that allows them to easily sell it. The goods will sell because people want it. For sure. So I liked that perspective because all of a sudden, what he's saying is that people there is demand for that. Yeah. He, he doesn't need to go and, and market it. He just needs to help get it there. Totally. And I, I, call, I tell people, we need the Alibabas for Africa. Totally. We'll Alibaba Express, who will sell our goods to the whole world because we are making goods. <laughs> do, you think, do you think Africa will ever come together or will always be fragmented? I think it will be, in some aspect, fragmented always, and that's okay. Because actually for some businesses, it's not really about, even if you look at a big business like Uber, yeah. it's not a global operation, it's a city by city operation. Yeah. And so think about Africa as a list of cities starting at 15 million population, going down to a few hundred thousand. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of these cities, they have very similar uh, characteristics. You can replicate a lot of these things across the board. Sure. So, in that sense, you can scale a business across Africa. Sure. Of course, you'll be working through different regulation uh, zones. You'll be working through different language barriers and all sure, that. Sure. But again, because our markets are fragmented, this is something that African entrepreneurs learn to do very early. Yeah. Very early. Yeah. I, I remember running a stat a few years back where half of African startups that were raising were already, already into markets. Wow. That's mind-boggling in Europe sure. or in the US. Sure. 
you know, yeah. raising their first first money they raise, they're already in two markets. Because, you know, they have to learn to do this early. So. And that's a qualitative jump you do when you go from one market to the other. Of course. And then, you know, going from there to 10, 20 becomes more of a process. Sure. And less of a challenge. Mm. I could go on this forever, but I, I, I just think... So, one point though. I used to be the Silicon Valley type yeah. who said a computer, some software, you build a scalable business. Yeah. Now I would nuance that. A computer, some software, and a very good operation. Sure. Yeah, true. You need ground game. Yeah. You need ground game, but ground game is scalable. If it's done well and if it's supported by the right tech, it is scalable. It scales. I know. I invested in a few of them. Oh man, it's so exciting chatting to you and hearing uh, some of your insights. You know, I, the more people we talk to, and that's the purpose of why we're doing this. You know, it's it's to change a narrative about Africa and what is actually happening on the ground because we see such a thin slice on the likes of CNBC Africa and the you know the likes yeah. tech TechCrunch and, and the world. Um, and it's such a privilege to, and thank you for your time. If, if you were to if you were to leave people who are watching listening with a final thought or comment um, about this particular market in perspective um, or anything in general, what would you like to, to leave them with? I'd probably go for numbers. Listen, uh, in five years, VC investment in Africa went from 200 million to $2 billion. Wow. No market has grown as fast. Wow. In the last uh, Africa, we got our first unicorn very recently. We went from one to five unicorn in the space of three years. It took double that time for Latam or for Asia to get there. Um, in terms of you know number of deals, in the middle of the pandemic last year, when everybody was grounded, sure. the number of deals grew 48%. Yep, we saw in that in our report as well. So that tells you that if you are thinking of the tech ecosystem in Africa right now, it is the fastest growing tech ecosystem in the world, period. And the, we are far from the cap. Mm. It, is, it is going to be $10 billion per year in the next five years. I have no, no doubt. Every time I made such a prediction, uh, it happened two years earlier than I expected. So I remember in 2016, I made this prediction that, uh, so th there was 200, 360 million dollars raised in Africa. Yeah. I made a prediction that we would get to 1 billion by 2020. It happened in 2018. Wow. And in 2019, it was 2 billion. So this market will, is growing faster than we all realize. And there's no better region right now to invest in tech. Sure. There's none other. So cool. Thank you so much for your insights and your time. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. I will definitely touch base with you again soon. Please. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that interview. Remember, there are many, many more from the West African summits. We've cut them into micro episodes just for you to consume in small doses whenever you have the time or the headspace. And uh, trust me, guys, there's some really, really great interviews in that series. So be sure to check them out. And if you have any questions or any queries or any suggestions, drop me an email, patrick at africarena.com. Otherwise, we'll chat to you soon. Till next time. Cheers.